Hi, everybody. Thank you for joining me here on the Bare Bones Yoga Podcast, Conversations for Yoga Teachers. My name is Karen Fabian. I'm the founder of Bare Bones Yoga. I'm a yoga teacher and educator, and my goal here is to provide you, the yoga teacher, and other listeners with interesting, compelling content designed to pique your interest in teaching help you grow as a teacher, and support you on your path to sharing this wonderful practice with your students. I've been teaching for over 14 years, and through my classes, workshops, online courses, books, and other content, I focus on the anatomy of yoga and how teachers can learn this complex subject and present it to their students in an understandable way, all designed to help them bring more impact to their teaching. Even though we're not in the same room, I want you to envision for each episode that we've sat down for tea in a cozy coffee shop. Some days we'll talk about technical teaching topics, while some days we might have a teacher friend join in on the conversation, and other days we'll face some of the personal challenges that can come up when we take on the journey of being a teacher, knowing that the more authentic we can be, the more we can impact others. For more information about my products and programs and to contact me at any time, just visit my website at barebonesyoga.com. Let's get into today's episode. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I'm your host, Karen Fabian, and this is episode 40. So I want to start out by thanking you for listening because last week, This podcast hit a milestone of over 10,000 downloads in a little over a year. And I'm so excited that people are listening and that uh, the topics are resonating with you. I've gotten some really nice emails from teachers all over the world. Uh, I've met some people um, in person at uh, my live event Uh, two weeks ago or a week ago, Urban Wellness Saturday, and a couple of teachers came up to me and mentioned that they had listened to a few episodes before going into class, or one uh, teacher said she listened before teaching her first class, which was really cool. So I'm really psyched. I'm super uh, excited to be able to offer content to teachers in this way. And I encourage you to not only keep listening, but if you have a topic that you'd like me to cover, just send me an email to karen at barebonesyoga.com and I'd be glad to include it in the podcast. And in fact, today's podcast is based on an email I received this week from a teacher. So I'm always looking for new information and new content ideas um, from my listeners because then I know that the information will really resonate with you. So please don't be shy. Don't be afraid to send me an email with any ideas that you have. Now, I want to start out this podcast with a really amazing um, announcement, and that is that in June of next year, I've just put the final details in place for my Go Away Yoga Retreat in Costa Rica. It's going to be June 20th through 26th in Nocera, Costa Rica at the beautiful Bodhi Tree Yoga Resort. And this is an opportunity for yoga teachers and really anyone who enjoys travel, yoga, doing um, something really, really healthy and transformational for themselves. It is going to include every day, of course, yoga practice, six nights, seven days in Lux Yoga Lodging. And by that, guys, I mean that I am working with a travel agent who specializes in yoga trips. 
And she uh, has been to this retreat center multiple times and it gets five-star reviews. Matter of fact, I was out to dinner last night and I was mentioning the retreat to someone and they pulled out their phone and Googled Bodhi Tree Yoga Resort. And he was amazed at the great reviews that it got. And the reason I picked this particular place and also partnered with a travel agent who specializes in yoga retreats is because I've been on plenty. And I know sometimes there can be some ups and downs to the location itself. And while sometimes you just kind of chalk that up to being part of the experience, I really wanted um, this experience to be one where people felt pampered, where they felt supported, where they really felt like the accommodations were at a really wonderful level. And so that's what uh, we've got uh, going on at the Bodhi Tree Yoga Resort. Now, of course, it's going to include, as I said, everyday daily yoga, six nights, seven days, luxe yoga lodging, and all meals. And that was another thing that was really important for me. I wanted people to have the option, of course, to go off-site to eat. But if they didn't want to do that, I didn't want them to have to do that. And I know sometimes uh, in looking for locations, it was hard to find a retreat center that was willing to do all meals, healthy, freshly cooked, and this location does do that. So that is also all included. So, you know, what this means, guys, is that once you pay for uh, the experience itself and book your flight, everything else is included. Um, there, there's one other piece involving transport to get you there, but pretty much that's it. And if you want to opt into optional things like massages and, and daily excursions, that would be out of your pocket. But for the most part, your food, the entire experience is part of the price that you pay. And that was another thing that was really important for me when I looked at kind of the um, financial aspect of the retreat. Now, keep in mind, in addition to the daily yoga and meditation and the accommodations and the meals, I'm also going to be offering afternoon workshops on anatomy. And so this is where it really um, becomes an experience for yoga teachers to transform their teaching. This is unlike a lot of yoga trainings you've probably been to, where it's a 200-hour training or a 500-hour training or a training just on one aspect of anatomy. This is meant over the week to give you background in anatomy on different parts of the body and then give you opportunities to implement that in, um, in teaching. So practice teaching, learning cues, the whole idea behind this experience is to transform your teaching around the cues that you use and to do that by building a fundamental understanding of anatomy and then giving you opportunities to learn the cues that bring that to light for your students. So for yoga teachers that are attending the retreat, you'll get CEUs that you can use as part of your uh, Yoga Alliance re-registration. And even aside from that, which of course that's helpful and important, but more important is the opportunity to be in an experience where you can really shift your teaching from where it is now to new places so that your impact will expand. And that's really what it's all about. It's about you know coming into our authentic our authentic voice, learning how to um, translate what we know into understandable tidbits for our students and being able to grow our impact. And so this entire experience is really designed for that. Now, in addition to all of that, there will be plenty of time to relax. 
this is not going to be the kind of retreat where, and I know this from my own experience, where you're eating as you're running from one thing to the other, where you're going into your room and you're changing into wet yoga clothes, where you know, you're definitely invigorated by the experience, but you're always feeling rushed. This is going to be a, an experience where you will have time to relax and renew and restore. Even if you're coming as a teacher to take part in the anatomy trainings, there will still be ample time for you to rest, to enjoy the pool, to enjoy the beautiful surroundings that we're in. So here's the deal. If you book uh, in by March, you're going to get the early bird rate, which is 20, uh, I'm sorry, $200 off. And in addition, you're going to get my flagship anatomy online training program for free. And right now that's priced at $700, but I add content to it all the time. So that price will go up. You will get that for free free. And that is a great, you know, kind of companion to this experience. And with that, you also get live coaching. So this is really both an in-person and online opportunity to expand your knowledge around anatomy and transform your teaching. So in order to sign up for this, um, to, for this uh, uh, retreat, all you need to do is go to my website, barebonesyoga.com, and you'll see the retreat uh, page on the website and the link is right there with a beautiful picture. When you click that link, get ready guys, because the pictures of the location are going to blow your mind. It is such a beautiful place and I can't wait to get there and experience it with you. Now, it's really limited in terms of space. So if you wanna go, you um, should sign up right away. I've already had, I just opened up the doors the past couple of days and I've already had a couple of people from my Urban Wellness Saturday event last week say they are really interested in joining. So these Lux accommodations, you can see them on the site and they're going to go quick. So if you want to go, it's really important that you hold your spot by signing up ASAP. So from that, I wanna move on to today's topic. I wanna start out by um, thanking Leanne, who is a yoga teacher and a physical therapist in Florida. And she writes me and she says, I am working on sequencing to a peak pose and wondered if you have any other tips to offer to simplify. I downloaded your template and it is very helpful. Best always, Leanne. So thank you, Leanne, so much for your email. And as I said at the beginning, I love getting emails like this from teachers. Now, when she mentions my template, I just want to let you know, you can get this too if you don't have it. It's right on my homepage, right at the top, and it's called Sequencing Template. And it's uh, a format that you can use over and over and over again to help you build your sequences. And this is really helpful because I know as teachers, uh, sometimes we have a notebook or I've gotten into phases where I write down different sequences on a pad of paper and I carry it in my, in my backpack and you know I just kind of build up a repertoire in that way. With my sequencing building template, you're gonna be able to have a standard format that you plug information into, and then you can literally just have a folder and everything looks really consistent. So it's really easy whenever you want one to just pull out a piece of paper, refresh your memory on what the sequence is and go from there. Now what Leanne's talking about is this idea of a peak pose. And you're probably familiar with what this is, but let me just kind of throw out <clears throat> kind of my definition for what this would be. So this would be when you build a sequence, what you're building your students up to in terms of a physical posture. And I say physical posture, but keep in mind, 
This could also be a theme around breathing or meditation or gaze, but typically we're talking in the literal sense, building students up to a peak posture. <clears throat> now, in most yoga classes, and you know, I, I don't know if this is something that, you know, this has kind of been in my experience, but I suppose there are, um, you know, there, there may be other peak poses uh, that people may refer to. In general, though, what I think we find is that the kind of, I don't even want to say traditional, but the most common peak pose that people work towards is wheel, Urdhva Dhanurasana. And I think that really comes from um, just, you know, for the most part, standard sequencing, working people up to that pose. Now, having said that, I think this is one of the really fun things about thinking about peak postures and thinking about what if I wanted to work people up to something else. So whether that's um, camel, which is another backbend like wheel, or whether that's Hanumanasana, like a, like a split type of scenario. Maybe that's um, even a, a standing balance, you know? So keep in mind that the peak posture can really be whatever you want it to be. However, it is helpful and I think really critical that you have an understanding of what is at work in that peak posture that you need to prime in your students' bodies as a way to acclimate their bodies, <laughs> I guess is one way to say it, uh, to doing that pose. And so if I think about, or if we think about kind of that standard peak posture wheel, and you look at that pose from the perspective of what does a student need to have primed in their body in order for them to attempt this posture? Well, let's kind of think about it. If you think about a backbend, right? And obviously there are plenty of them, but let's think about if you kind of envision somebody in wheel pose in your mind's eye here as I'm talking, uh, their hips are in bilateral hip extension. So they need to have pretty good extensibility or lengthening or just a good amount of pliability in their hip flexors, because now we're asking their hips to go into extension. So if they've got a lot of tightness there, it's going to be difficult for them to do that. In addition, they need to have um, strong uh, gluteus maximus muscles. So we're not talking the lateral glutes, glute medius and glute minimus. We're talking more about the main muscle that creates the action of hip extension, which is the muscle on the back of the body, the back of the hip or gluteus maximus. And so if you were to, for instance, bring your students into class and put them into wheels straight away and they'd been sitting down all day, their glute max muscles would be, I don't want to say deconditioned, but certainly not um, awakened, I guess you could say. And, um, and so it might be harder for them versus if you place wheel pose where it typically is, which is after all the standing postures and maybe some balancing postures where they're on one leg, maybe um, in the standing sequencing, you're doing lunges where they're using glute max uh, as a hip extent extender. Um, then by the time they get to wheel, glute max is primed to create hip extension. They've done the lunges. So your hip flexors like your psoas and your sartorius and your rectus uh, femoris are 
kind of warmed up a bit, a little bit more pliable, so then they can attempt it. The other aspect of uh, wheel, which can be challenging for people is we're taking uh, the shoulder joint into flexion. And so if they've got tightness around the shoulder flexor, flexor muscles, so the anterior deltoid, the pec minor, pec major, that can sometimes get in the way. In addition, if they've got some limitations in wrist mobility, that can get in the way as well, because here we're taking our wrist into extension and weight bearing, like we see in things like uh, plank and low push-up. So that can also be a challenge. So the idea of a peak pose being at a portion of the sequence where we can work people up to it and we need to understand the anatomy, not only in the peak pose itself, but in all the preceding postures so that we literally are priming the pump so that by the time they get to the peak pose, they can do it. So to get back to kind of the question at hand, what other tips or what tips can uh, we um, hold out to simplify sequencing to a peak pose? So the first thing I would say is the most obvious, which is decide what peak pose you want to offer. And then write down or think about, depending on how comfortable you are with doing this on the fly, think about what are the key muscles in action in that pose. So to take the example of wheel, the muscles in action, so think of the muscles creating the action of hip extension and shoulder flexion. And think about how can we prime those two muscle groups so that we can start to create the action in the posture of hip extension and shoulder flexion? So we certainly have a lot of shoulder flexion that happens in, in just the standard class because we're facing the floor a lot. And as I said before, we've got a lot of hip extension happening. So we're using glute max a lot. So we're good there. And then think about what muscles are lengthening in the pose that you want to use as the peak pose. So here, as I said before, we're, we're looking at lengthening hip flexor muscles. Um, and what poses do that? So if I were to focus on a couple of postures that lengthen the hip flexors, I could do camel, I could do warrior one, warrior two, side angle lunge, um, uh, da, 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 airplane, um, I could do bridge, of course, which precedes wheel. So these are poses that lengthen the muscles that are required to lengthen in the peak posture. So once I map out poses that activate the muscles I need, poses that lengthen the muscles that I need to be lengthened to facilitate the person coming into the peak pose, then I've got the ingredients to build the sequence itself. And that's when you can start to map it out. This is what's all there on my sequencing template for you and was the logic that I used to build it. And for the most part, I think most teachers are going to have something they offer people at the beginning and something they offer people at the end. So of course, the beginning postures are the things that they'll offer students to get them warmed up a little more connected to their body and their breath. And then the poses at the end are the wind down poses. And then all the poses in the middle are the things we're talking about here to prime the pump, to prime the body, to work them up to a peak pose. Um, if you have a music background like I do, I always think of the peak pose like the crescendo in a symphony. And so you're literally walking them up 
the, the ramp, so to speak, to the top, which is the peak, and then you're bringing them down. Now, if you want to get really into sequencing, which sometimes I like to really get into it um, like this, what you can do is you can kind of shift the whole front end of your sequencing, which is usually like your down dog, you're lifting the leg, your ragdoll pose, whatever, you know, your child's pose, whatever you're doing to warm people up. And you can make that front end of the sequence uh, also support what you're gonna have them do in the peak pose. So if, for instance, I'm gonna have them work towards camel or work towards wheel, why don't I start them on their backs? Why don't I start them with some easy bridge poses? So right out of the gate, I'm having them wake up glute max, start to connect to their legs. When I get them um, through a couple of, uh, of bridge poses, why don't I add some dynamic movement to that? So as they lift their hips up, they can take their arms back. As they bring their arms down, they can let their hips touch the floor and then press up and back and then bring the arms down, hips rest on the ground. Do it a couple times. So start to work some dynamic movement into uh, the beginning of the sequence to wake up glute max and to get them connected to their breath. If I were to work to a peak pose like Hanumanasana, something like a split, um, in the beginning of practice, maybe in those first couple postures, I could have them do um, uh, hand to big toe pose laying on the back to start to have them lengthen their hamstrings and their inner thigh muscles, but encourage them to keep their knee bent a little bit so we don't overdo it when the muscles are not primed sufficiently. So that's the front end. And then in the back end of class, that last couple of things that you have them do, you could also um, kind of stay with that theme. So if I were to do hip opening um, as my prime uh, posture, my peak posture, when I get to the end, I could maybe even use something like um, uh, pigeon on the back, or I'm sorry, um, figure four on the back, uh, pigeon facing the floor. Um, I could have them, let me see what else, I'm trying to think on the fly here. So, I mean, I guess the point is you can have your theme perfuse your entire sequence, um, or you can just kind of use that middle chunk of the sequence to build them to the peak pose and use your standard front end and back end that you typically do uh, for all your classes. And if you do do that, that takes a little bit of the work off because then you're only really coming up with what's in the middle of the practice. So having said that, um, that, you know, those are some basic tips, you know, for building up to a peak posture. If you're feeling like, and every once in a while, I feel like this too. If you're feeling like um, you're kind of stuck on different peak poses, I'd encourage you to just go to the Yoga Journal website and just look at some pictures of postures. Sometimes I think we get stuck in a rut and we're always kind of working people to the same peak posture. So that'll give you some fresh ideas, maybe some postures you don't typically do that you could use as a peak pose. The other thing that I would say is maybe rather than starting with what peak pose you wanna to work towards, think about what anatomical action you want to emphasize. So if I'm teaching a class after work, I'm definitely going to emphasize shoulder opening because I know most people have been hunched over their desks all day. Once I think about shoulder opening is my anatomical theme, that can really speak to a peak posture that I could use. So that's a perfect example where I might use... Um, 
uh, I might use camel as the peak pose, or I could even use shoulder stand as the peak pose because in both camel and uh, shoulder stand, the shoulders are in extension. Um, I could also do something like Gamukasana as the peak pose, because in that, if I do the archer arms uh, position with the upper body, I get um, shoulder, uh, I'm sorry, I get external rotation of the shoulder where the arm is facing up, where the elbow is facing the sky. And then when I switch archer arms, the upper arm on the other side is in external rotation. And something like uh, cow face pose does take a good amount of shoulder flexibility. And the nice thing about that pose is the one uh, shoulder's in extension, the other shoulder, I'm sorry, the one shoulder's in external rotation, the lower shoulder's in internal rotation, active internal rotation. And there aren't that many poses where we're internally rotating the shoulder. The other one that comes to mind for me is thread the needle. So it is nice to strengthen those um, internal rotators uh, as well as uh, lengthen external rotators. And then when you switch sides, you do the same thing on the other. So cow face pose is another posture with the archer arms position that you could also use as a peak pose, which is a little less common. Um, so those are just some ideas. I would love to know what kind of peak poses you're using. So you could comment uh, where you see this podcast and just, just let me know what kind of peak poses do you like to use? So I hope that was helpful. Um, of course, I would love to know what you think in general. So feel free to just send a, send a comment. Don't forget, you can go to the, um, the website, barebonejoga.com, and you can download the sequence building template, which is right there on the homepage. I also want to let you know that in September, I offered an online audio class filled with anatomy-based cues, and I reopened that offer this week. So if you're on my mailing list, which if you're not, you will be once you download the template, um, I am sending that link out throughout this week to my VIP list. If you're in my anatomy work group on Facebook, you'll see the links on there this week, along with the new videos I've posted. And if you're part of my regular Barebone Yoga Facebook page, you'll see the link there as well. So lots of ways for you to get this. This is really inexpensive. It's $19.99. It's an audio yoga class. And it's a great way to learn anatomy you know, from an auditory standpoint, similar to what we're doing here. I think sometimes we can kind of get lost in all the pictures. And so it's really, really helpful to learn anatomy uh, just with, you know, kind of listening skills as well as things we see, whether we're looking at a book or practicing with something online, or of course, the experiential way, which is going to a class. So I offer that as a way to give you an additional way to learn anatomy while you're practicing on the mat. And that is always a great way too, because then you feel it in your body and what you hear and what you feel really um, seals into your brain. And so it's a, it's a nice way to learn. Don't forget, go to uh, the retreat page of my website. I really, really would love for you to come on this retreat with me in June. You've got plenty of time to plan, plenty of time to save money, plenty of time to, you know, kind of get ready to go on this. That's why I wanted to announce it with plenty of time for people to uh, sign up. It's going to be an absolutely unbelievable experience. 
And I really would love for you to be a part of it, especially if you're a yoga teacher, especially if you're looking for a way to shift your teaching um, in a way that will really just tap into your authentic nature, tap into your power as an individual, as a teacher, as a person who can impact other people through your teaching. So join me on that in June. Go to the website, check it out on the retreat page. I'd love to have you. So thank you so much for listening and I'll see you on the next podcast. Namaste.